Welcome to Highway to Well. I'm your host, Derek Bell, and this podcast is brought to you by the American Nurses Foundation through the generous support of the Center for Disaster Philanthropies Recovery Fund. The American Nurses Foundation has undertaken this work as part of its well-being initiative, which supports nurses' mental health through the pandemic and beyond. Decades of research have shown that practicing gratitude is highly effective in promoting physical and psychological health, both at the individual and organizational levels. This podcast series builds up previous work conducted by the American Nurses Foundation in partnership with the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. Today, we're talking with Amy Graber and Katie Feely about how gratitude practices can be shared with teams. Amy is the Magnet Program Coordinator at CHI Health Mercy in Council Bluffs, Iowa. She has been with CHI Health for 20 years. She has been a nurse for over 30, with 25 of those in oncology. She actively serves on the planning committee for the local American Cancer Society Relay for Life and is the mother of three grown boys. Katie is a doctorate-prepared registered nurse serving as the CEO of Indiana State Nurses Association and as executive director of the Indiana Nurses Foundation for the last three years. She has 15 years' experience as a nurse with a background in the NICU, supply chain, risk management, and patient and staff safety. She absolutely loves her job and loves getting to focus on giving back to nurses that continuously give back to others. Katie and Amy, welcome to our podcast here. I'm excited to be here today. What a great opportunity. I'm excited. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited about this episode it is incredibly important that we get a chance to talk about what it's like and discover how to share gratitude practices with teams, colleagues, and coworkers. That is absolutely one of the most essential parts of, of this entire body of work and the impact and the opportunities that it has for those shared experiences and how we can encourage others and support them in their work. And is valuable and critical to creating better pathways to gratitude. So we've, you know, we've talked about and we've covered in a lot of these episodes in this series about the science behind gratitude, how to get started, how to implement a program. Now we want to expand on, on all of those themes and explore what it is you need from the toolkit and from these gratitude practices or what if you learned as you've implemented this into your culture among teams and in the practice environment? And how has that impacted your work culture, your team ethos, and that ultimately that employee and customer experience? So to get started, I want to ask both of you, what did you think or what was the need that you felt that you were certain that this was going to fulfill with your team and with your colleagues? We were in the midst of a pandemic and the lowered resiliency of our nurses was evident. Um, Not only was the pandemic a factor, but also the nursing shortage we were experiencing, which was leading to an increasing turnover rate for us also. We were invited to participate in an evidence-based practice project by implementing gratitude practices for nurses along with our other common spirit health hospitals. After talking with our VP of Patient Care Services, I presented the opportunity to our nursing director manager group and explained that nurses at all the levels within the hospital would be asked to participate. 
Everyone agreed that the need was there, and our most recent employee satisfaction survey score had even showed a drop on our resilience score questions. I received feedback on which gratitude practices to implement, and I had the commitment from all the directors and managers to have them share information at their staff meetings and other communication modes, such as their unit newsletter. I also did rounding on the floors and talked with the staff about this. Yeah, and Katie, what did you find? I agree with Amy that during the pandemic, there was definitely heightened awareness to the need for resources for nurses. So the Indiana State Nurses Association is a member-led professional association serving Indiana nurses. We have a, a regular benefits package that we include for members that have tangible items like exercise, craft memberships, financial advising, and malpractice insurance. But during the pandemic, we realized the need for intangible resources related to well-being and self-care. Our goal was to meet nurses where they are in their self-care practice, as well as share some new ideas to help build resiliency. It was and it still is a difficult time for all of us. We knew we wanted to meet nurses exactly where they are and maybe have never dug into a gratitude practice or on the other hand, we wanted to connect with those practitioners that wanted to focus on spreading the ripple of gratitude. Yeah, I I think both of you, what I really appreciate is you're hinting at a couple things that you recognize. You know, one is that you're you understand that there's or you know, in Amy's case, you saw some marks in your some of your general scoring where you saw resiliency was changing and that that impacted and and Katie. You're looking at this and looking at those that entirety of your benefit plan and how can you build and provide those tools and integrate those and, and really help people and you know, by benefit plan design is kind of meet them where they are and what they need and recognizing this is something that could be incredibly valuable as part of the assets that you have to give to your groups. So when you when you reviewed and you thought about the toolkit and how you wanted to implement it, you knew you needed it. What ultimately then were your first steps? And then also, how were those first steps received by the teams? How easy was this to get into your implementation? Um, and Amy, if, love to hear how that worked within your setting. And, and then Katie, to going to a member, kind of a member association group, what did that look like? month, we focused on a specific gratitude practice, and the gratitude practices that we chose to implement were gratitude one, two, three, gratitude huddle, gratitude journal, a gratitude tree, caregiving with intention, and our last one, focusing on giving back to yourself. Our first couple practices were foundational practices. I then devised a five to six page PowerPoint that focused on the following components that the staff would receive. Um, it had the gratitude practice itself and the evidence-based pr practice supporting it or the principles supporting it, directions on how to complete the specified practice. And then I came up with a catchy phrase, their gratitude to do or their homework assignment. 
to do for that month, along with post-activity reflection questions. The gratitude journal and gratitude tree made the greatest impact on our staff. The journal was a pocket size that each nurse was given so they could keep it with them at all times, especially at work. When I would go up on the floor, nurses would stop me and let me know that they appreciated the journal. Some of the comments that they said was it had helped them. It made me look at the good things, not just the bad things. And then for the gratitude tree, we bought decals and leaves for each nursing unit. The process started off slowly, but week by week, the trees became fuller with leaves and units have continued to utilize the gratitude tree and use different decals, such like one unit is using pumpkins right now to um, put up on the tree. And a lot of them are getting excited about Christmas and using like stockings, candy canes. Another way that I communicated was every month at our shared governance group, which is an interdisciplinary team, I presented the same PowerPoint. I received feedback from the non-nursing units, like rehab, pharmacy, that when I send out the PowerPoint each month to the nursing directors, if I could also include them on the email so they could share that information with their staff. And I said, absolutely, everybody needs to benefit from this. Our last practice was giving back to yourself. As nurses, we're always the caregivers, but we don't always take care of ourselves. Our goal was that our last gratitude practice would focus on them and help them realize how important their well-being is in their personal and professional life. This was especially important as we were experiencing another surge and our nurses' resilience was being tested again. It was important for us to add gratitude to a general toolkit to be used as an a la carte uh, self-tool option. And interesting words to share there together, but we understand the reality of everyone's busy lives. So the a la carte is that people could pick and choose from a tool belt um, of self-care options. So after receiving the eight-week toolkit, we built out an eight-week, one-hour-per-week workshop, a call-in on Zoom, and that just so happened to be the eight weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. And here we are, actually, during the recording of this podcast, we have another mini-workshop going, um, so we call it a success since we're going on our second year. So we started the hour with a mindful pause which was an opportunity to share and learn new breathing techniques to ground ourselves in the moment and to shift our focus from our busy workday into that hour-long focus of gratitude practice. So after week one, we reviewed our action items from the previous week, discussed new content related to pertinent evidence-based topics like resiliency, working through anger, forgiveness, gratitude in the workplace versus in your home space, and then we set the next action um, as it was shared in the toolkit, week one through eight. In between the weekly sessions, we shared a follow-up email sharing full research articles, websites, deeper educational content that could be absorbed as the participants created the time and space in between the weekly sessions. 
We wanted to be flexible and understanding as we all have those busy lives that we already have discussed, but we also wanted to build a group that could learn from each other and truly dig into building their own practice. So we asked for a commitment in attendance and we asked for our members to plan out that eight week accordingly or let us know if they couldn't be present. Um, while we had homework, we wanted to make for sure that flexibility uh, remained a priority. So our ask was simple to create that time and space and to let gratitude practice come naturally using the actions shared in the toolkit as guidelines. Our participants really appreciated this realistic method. So for example, in week five, maybe someone hadn't been able to complete the homework up to that point. And during week five, our members shared with us that they actually started at week one after they had heard the content over and over, it was finally time for them to be able to create that space and to create that practice. And so it was it was perfectly acceptable for them to share that they just started with the gratitude one, two, three, because to start um, really, really is the main reason as to why we wanted to bring this um, uh, gratitude workshop forward. Yeah, I, I love how both of you talked about there's a few things in there that are so important for us and, and hopefully pulling those out as we're thinking about cultivating the gratitude practices within our own team environments. And one is that you have the mix of, of things that are personal that you're doing, but also visual cues. And so that, that gratitude tree represents something that you see and you're reminded, yes, I know I'm busy, but I feel that I need to share, I need to express gratitude. I have this journal, I can write things down. And then, you know, and Amy and, and that helped build that, start to show that, that variation in your team environment and then build on all these practices that kind of have the, the space for the visual cue and then go back to your personal space. And then with Katie, you, I, I really appreciated how you, you approached this and looking at your choice architecture per se and you had all of these different practices available, knowing that people are going to find them at different times and at different speeds and at different rates. And you want to make sure that you meet them where they are. And so to build, and, and we all want frameworks, we all want toolkits to work succinctly in, in succession, because that's how they're typically laid out. But that's not how people work. So you have to make sure that you create a space where someone's not missing something and really actually missing it, but that it maybe mean something to them at different points, and then they can go back to it and pull it out. And now, now they've created that better pathway for gratitude, and, and you've provided that regardless of where it falls in your scheme as you continue to go back, and especially when you, when you allow people to talk about their experiences, that usually cues another person to say, oh, okay, then I don't feel so bad about missing this. I'm, I'm just like them, or this sounds very familiar. Wow, this, uh, this, this can work. And that goes back to all the things that we want to reinforce when we implement these is to make sure that we're doing so in a way that's meaningful and it's not so tied to very specific methods that it leaves people out. And we want to open spaces to gather people in and you both have done a really smart job at that. But uh, looking at now, too, after you've been through this a while, I wanted to ask you, what kind of barriers and challenges have you run into over implementation and kind of getting these into more of a sustainable model within your teams? And what were some of the steps you took to overcome those? Like I mentioned, we use the toolkit really as a 
framework or as guidelines. So for example, during one of the weeks, I believe it's week two, there's a recommendation to begin, or sorry, week three, uh, a recommendation to begin gratitude journaling. There are multiple ways in which someone can journal or write out gratitude. For example, if there's a napkin in front of you, if there's a post-it, you can use those. You don't have to have a special specific uh, gold embossed gratitude journal that has specific prompts. Now, if that's what you like and that brings you joy, then perfect. That, that specific gratitude journal is the right way to go. Um, we also share that there are multiple apps, even through ANA. There are multiple apps that can be used that even share notifications to remind you. So to how to apply some of the ideas in the toolkit that meets your needs is really um, where we wanted to share. When we asked uh, for barriers, when we talked about those action items and someone said, you know, I didn't complete my homework from last week, we asked why. We wanted to normalize the fact that we all have barriers and we all have several things that we're attempting to juggle. And part of our teamwork was to normalize the fact um, that we're all working through those barriers the best we can. So as we work through gratitude, it's important to understand that it truly is a journey. It's not an endpoint, but there will be barriers and shifts and changes in your practice along the way. I agree 100% with Katie when she, uh, I like what she said when gratitude is a journey. It's not something that we just do for a designated time. It's something that we should do throughout our entire life. When we conducted our pre-survey, we had a total um, amount of nurses, uh, about 224 nurses we had at that time. And we had a 56% response rate. So we knew the need was there and that the nurses were interested in these gratitude practices. And then towards the end of our gratitude practices, we began surging again. So when we did the post-survey in January, our response rate was 32%, which I was still happy about because um, of what the uh, circumstances that was going on at that current time. Our goal was that the practices would help them get through the stress of this next surge and beyond. And our nurse turnover rate had also increased um, again, um, which was a factor. Yeah, and, and there's some real situations here that are incredibly, you know, the stress impacts to your environment and surges are, um, those are going to be primary to how sometimes we take a step back and we kind of review and assess those data points and, and understand that we may not see the kind of response we want during those periods. And it's not because the, the great thing is, is if this is part of your normal structure, it may not be or may not be indicative of the gratitude practices. It could just be a normal thing that people aren't going to respond to that email right now because it's really not important. And yet they may also still be journaling or going through those exercises that you've implemented. And so it's good to get feelers across your system and and look at your indicators as to the stress levels that are going up and making sure that you've implemented those practices to diminish them, even if it may not be directly related or reflected in those data points. And 
So having those those cultural inputs and impacts and talking with your leaders and doing some of that other extra work to define and understand those data points is also really important. And, and asking, you know, and, and knowing that people have opportunities. And I love what Katie said about those barriers and in especially in those high stress environments is to really do a best the best job we can at normalizing. Normalize the environment, normalize those barriers. And, and see that and continue to express that the gratitude practices here are not a trend or a flavor of the month or a, this is our month on this practice or this is our week on this practice, but these are all the practices and we're going to talk to you about them, but it's a journey. And that journey is going to be a long one and it's going to be tested, but the value and the science behind implementing and using these and relying on them and having them within your reach is so important to addressing things like higher stress levels during surge and higher turnover and the increased that 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 whole entire stress level for a team to cover for each other having less people involved in their practice is incredibly um, important to have these practices in place to make sure that we can do what we can to change that and so when we get to a point where we're, we have the opportunity to reflect and kind of look back over time. What can you say? And maybe, you know, maybe Amy, for you, it's this reflection point about seeing some of your survey data come back, but knowing that you're doing a really good job on your gratitude practice side um, and trying to get those two to work together better or assess things differently too. But when you look back, what, what has changed in your team environments after you've included these practices? We've had more of a, an awareness from our staff. And then as an administration and leadership team, we are taking this on um, as a priority. So some of the things that we have done is we're working on doing a quarter uh, on a quarterly basis, some gratitude programming for the entire hospital. For example, this last quarter, we had a massage therapist come in several times um, to our Zen Den, but then she also went specifically to our, our inpatient units like the ED, our um, maternity, ICU, post-critical units. And we also found in our employee survey that our interdepartmental teamwork score had decreased. And that I believe that all has to do with everything that we've been going through. Um, so recently, um, we devised a department buddy system that will rotate on a quarterly basis. We purposely assigned buddy groups to alleviate the us versus them. And the reason I say us versus them, this was feedback we had received from staff at our shared governance meetings. We offered some suggestions to the different departments on things they could do, like gratitude notes, a potluck with each other, shadow for a few hours. That was a thing so that staff understood exactly what the ED is going through. And that's the reason why they're asking questions about when they're boarding patients down there. 
And this was a way for them to reconnect and develop those relationships again. Some examples that have occurred already since we implemented the department buddy system was they've had a, a buddy potluck to get to know each other. Um, our central supply department helped serve on the lunch line a couple times when our cafeteria was in need of help. During pharmacy week last week, um, the behavioral unit, they did something special every day for that department, whether it was um, a candy bar that had like a cute saying on it to stickers. Um, and two other departments, they had a chili and a dessert cook-off this week. Another thing that we have tapped into, one of our ICU nurses during the these last two years, she got certified in mindfulness. And so we had funding that we were able to pilot a group for her to do a mindfulness series and receive good feedback. And she offered it to our depart our managers in that recently, and we're going to continue on with this. And so our next group will start in January. So those are just a few of the things that we've started. Well, a chili cook-off is really hard to beat there. I bet that was quite entertaining. And then to have desserts, create a little competition and recipe sharing, I'm sure that was a really, a really fun activity. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Katie, what about you? So Amy, you bring up the topic of mindfulness and I consider mindfulness to be such an important piece of gratitude and the journey of gratitude. So looking back um, at our first round of our workshops, really the storytelling and the personal stories shared by our participants was really momentum and motivation to keep the work going. Um, I have two short stories that I'll share with you that really tie in back to Amy's mention of mindfulness and gratitude. Um, one was a simple story related to practicing gratitude one, two, three. Uh, our participant was in hospital leadership and realized that she had been cutting her family short or she's she's coming home from long days pretty tense and is not opening up and being mindful in the moment after she comes home from work. The story resonated with me. Um, so she realized uh, that a good application of the gratitude one, two, three practice was to actually connect with her daughter to share her appreciation after her daughter completed a chore, a pretty mundane, normal, weekly interaction that occurs in their house. The daughter normally finishes her chores. However, the mom stopped, looked at her in the eye, paused with her and really dug into her appreciation and gratitude for the effort that the daughter was making. And the story that she shared back, it, it was so powerful because she actually said her daughter immediately recognized, noticed that she was making eye contact with her and said, mom, what's up? <laughs> she, she realized. And so the mom then got to share, well, I'm, I'm doing this workshop. We're focusing on gratitude. And I really wanted to make for sure you knew how important your effort and, and our relationship is to me. So that was that was one example. Of I would consider that to be a very successful week one uh, action and homework. The second one that she shared was related to the activity or action of the toolkit related to intentional caregiving. 
We talked about flexibility, and while she doesn't provide direct care, she actually realized that she could use that intentional, mindful participation in a meeting. She knew that she had a meeting coming up with someone that the meetings normally didn't go well, the content was never really very fun, and so she practiced that intentional presence at this meeting, and she said it really changed her outlook, her understanding of why that uh, uh, team member was coming to the table with the difficult content, and it made her think about um, really the whole big picture. But the most important part of her story telling about that experience was on her way home, she had an aha moment where she realized that she wasn't tensely gripping the steering wheel like she normally does. And she had that overcoming, that, that feeling of, I can do this. I can have these difficult meetings. This experience has really changed. It changed me in many different ways. And so realizing that that ride home and thinking through that horrible, stressful day that she normally had, that, that simple, intentional meeting really changed her outlook and she was much more relaxed. Oh, Amy, that and Katie, those examples are so amazing. And Katie, that last story that you just shared, I, I hope that when listeners hear that, they kind of like take an emotional pause there because those are the stories that change people's lives. Like when you do something and then you have this aha moment where you recognize that you have probably been gripping your steering wheel every day forever and you're, you just assume the, you assume and absorb all of that stress and you know it's there. And you just don't know what to do about it other than I'm going to grip my wheel all the way home. And then when you realize I'm not gripping my wheel, that's a life-changing moment. And that's where this gratitude practice really can find its way into the, the actual behavior change level of people's lives. You know, and sometimes we get, you know, we talk about these changes that happen within the, you know, within our team environments and there's we can do all these practices and then we're going to, oh, we have all these input of stressors that are going to continue to test that, test that, test that. But for the moment, for, for someone to drive home and realize that they've relaxed their wheel, those are the moments that really change people's lives. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing those stories and the value. And I love that you brought up the value of storytelling and that vehicle that it's stories can provide in this. And one thing I would I would say that we've learned through talking with everyone through this series, and it's something we know, but it's sometimes, sometimes we forget about this, is the stories are going to become what people remember most and how they reflect and what they learn a lot about the value of the practices. And so we need to continue to use the stories to advance and build this into our sustainable parts of our culture. And let the stories do a lot of the work for us. And we can go through six steps to doing something. But when you hear someone talk about getting in their car and driving home and being relaxed, you want that too. You want to know what that feels like. And so what that person's done to get to that point is probably going to be something that you want to use and try to really implement as well. So I think that that is such a critical point here. And I'm glad that you use those to tell us about your path and what it's what you've seen change there. Oh, one of the great things that we like to do here as we get towards the end of our episode here is to leave 
a couple activities behind for our listeners and give them a little bit of gratitude practice to take home with them. So I want each of you, Amy and, and Katie here, to talk about one thing that as soon as a listener is done here, what can they do? And, and Amy, let's start with you and share an activity that you would suggest for people to do right away as soon as they're done listening to this podcast. One thing that I try to do every day is to recognize at least one person at work. Um, And a lot of times I try to do one down in our department, but then I, when we have our huddle and I hear about what a, uh, a nurse gets complimented by a patient, then I, if that nurse is working that day, then I try to go up there and say, what a great job to physically go up there uh, to say it to her. So if you can do, once we get done with the podcast, it recognize one person today for doing a great job or helping you out. And it doesn't need to be anything big. Uh, note, but I, I like to do the face-to-face as much as I can. Yeah, I love that. That that is absolutely something I easy to do and ought to be done right away. Think about someone who's really impacted you or done a good job and and tell them, let them know. That's that's really wonderful. Thank you, Amy. And Katie, what what do you have? Fall in Indiana is such a beautiful time. Uh, the leaves are changing, multiple colors come out, oranges, reds, greens, yellows. Action four of the toolkit is about taking a savoring walk. The recommendation is to set aside 20 to 30 minutes. However, this mindful practice of gratitude can actually be done just about any time. I like to even do it when I'm in the car. So as you're walking through either a garden area or a natural environment, maybe just taking that drive home from your car and realizing that you're not grabbing the steering wheel too tight, I invite you to just think through the environment around you. Notice as many positive things as you can. Bring in the sights, the sounds, the smells, and any other sensations you might have. Try to identify what it is about the thing that makes it pleasurable to you and let those sensations around you conjure up feelings of gratitude for the gift of life and living that they represent. This can easily be done in the car, even if you have just a few moments after this podcast to sit in your office and think about the fun things that you may have representing your workplace or your locker as you shift after your work day and you're grabbing your bags out of your locker. You may have a picture. You may have an item of clothing that you enjoy having with you at work. Take a look at that lunchbox. Does it have a a fun pattern, a fun design? Just spend a few moments savoring what's around you. Katie, as you're telling me this, and I'm just thinking, and like you mentioned, at the time we're recording this, it's fall, and and I live in Wisconsin, and the other day after um, some pretty pretty stressful, packed days of activity, I, I found myself taking in, I was driving, I had about a 45-minute drive from where I was to my home, and most of it's through not really hill country, but forest areas along river, a river here. And and this time of year, the leaves, they're going from their last stages of beautiful 
ripeness to starting to fall off and we're getting closer to winter, which is always ominous in the upper Midwest. But we, as I, as I was driving home, I had one of the, the sky was in, in, this is where it's most beautiful. It's late in the afternoon and half the sky or most of the sky is gray, but there's sunlight still coming from where the sun's starting to seep down and go behind the clouds. And so you have on the opposite side of the sky, this darker gray sky, but then this vibrant copper and yellow, orangish hues, just like a painting across your entire landscape. And it's just, a, it's so beautiful to stare at. I know I'm driving at this time too, but I'm being safe, but just take it in and just soak it in as you're driving. And, and I found myself just reflecting and, and taking that time. So like you said, when we talk about a savory walk, it isn't just going for a walk, but it's carving out a time where, you know, movement is part of it, but driving is such a great time to do that as well. Especially when you're just, you find yourself alone, maybe for the first time in a, in a few days or, you know, and you have that processing time to work with. So I'm a pr- really appreciate that you expanded that and talked about the full scope of savory walk could also mean driving around too. It's such a great time to do that. And I want to thank both of you for such a wonderful episode. There were so many really beautiful nuggets in here to pick up on. And you talk through meeting people where they are and, and giving, you know, doing for ourselves, taking care of ourselves so we can give that back to others. Such a critical part of this whole picture. And then through practices and some of the things that you've done to create the space for people to to use it when they need it and meet them you know in the space that they want and use stories as a vehicle to help people arrive at at that opportunity for them to implement their own gratitude practices or share it with their team and i love the idea of integrating this kind of beyond the scope of just the the inner that first team your your local team level but that interdepartmental and integrating across your system and having buddies and, and creating a new environment to work together. Cause in stress, those high stress environments, we know we can easily become isolated and we forget that other people are part of the care picture and bringing all of us back together and sharing and, and doing whatever we need to create those connection points is so vital to success and really having this be a sustainable part of our culture and our model. I thought both of you did a tremendous job of covering that. So I want to say thank you and show my gratitude for both of you for your time today. It was beautiful to hear our stories and talk through how this really works in our team environments. Thank you, John. My gratitude practice is evolving and this was a wonderful opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And and we're excited about this whole series and 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 all of these episodes build on what it really feels like when we implement these and what is the to be fair to get to that people focus side and how we can take a toolkit and really make change happen within our environments and really make it sustainable. And thank you both for that and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you.